0: Hey guys, today's episode of Table 40 on the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network is presented by our Increase Store and our Bible in a Year Engagement Journal, which you should pick up your copy today, especially with Matt and Leslie going through the Bible in a Year. This is the companion that's going to help you, the guy that's going to help you through the passages of Scripture each and every day. You want to get this journal right now at theincrease.com theincrease.com. It's affordable and it's the perfect companion to help you grow in your faith and to stay connected to God through his word each and every day. The Bible in a Year Engagement Journal. Get yours today at theincrease.com.
1: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Table 40 podcast as we continue to work our way through the Bible. This week, we're going to spend most of our time in Acts and I've got this really cool new voice for the podcast.
2: Sounds uh, great.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's got this nice raspy. If you're code super code competitive, next
2: week, I'm going to have the really cool voice because we do spend an awful lot of time together, but so far, so good. Lots of vitamin D and um, immune immune uh encouragers that i've been taking lately (laughs) is that a good way to put it sure immune system encouragers vitamin c vitamin d fish oil the whole thing i've been pumping myself full of all kinds of vitamins to not have your cool voice
1: well it is cool so it is so cool like a silver lining if you do get it
2: oh good all right then i'll have a cool voice like yours all right here we go um deuteronomy was was great this week there were a lot of law talk and so we just thought it would be a really good idea to focus our attention on acts and if we said it last week it's all right we'll say it again this week acts um in my mind is the acts of the holy spirit working um the holy spirit working its way through the apostles, I guess (laughs) it's kind of a lot of words to, to say it. I just think that when we look at the book of acts, we can just, the Holy spirit is the, is the main character here. And um, we see the power of the Holy spirit working in and through the life of the apostles. And so let's get going. Acts three. We read this week or the beginning of this week, any thoughts on acts three?
1: Well, I have to pick my words wisely here. I don't have a time before my voice gets super hoarse um so let's get moving you why don't you get moving and and i'll try to try to also have something interesting all
2: right so for me i think it was pretty pretty amazing about the consistency of of the friends of the lame man to be honest with you it says um in verse one now peter and john were going to the temple for a time of prayer at three in the afternoon in verse two a man who was lame from birth was being carried there he was placed each day at the temple gate called beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to walk into the temple, he asked for money and Peter along with John looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, which I think is awfully amazing. Like even the whole look at us, I think he learned that straight from Jesus. And so Jesus did a beautiful job when, when he walked with these men for as long as he did to offer dignity to those in dire conditions and for them to start out and saying, Hey, look at, look at us, like make eye contact with me. I understand that since birth, you've had this condition. I understand that every morning when your friends pick you up and carry you to this gate and place you down, there's probably this pain inside your heart that makes you feel shameful and unworthy because you can't even walk and you have to beg for money. And I'm sure his life, um, it says later in scripture that he was over 40 years old. So he was still a young man, but young. But he lived a lot of his life without dignity and probably um, a lot of shame. And can you imagine, I mean, these are real people. Can you imagine every night when he would go to bed? Do you, I would imagine that he would pray a prayer God, if you're real, heal me from this. So here we go. The boys are going up to pray. And, and they sit and the first thing they say is, hey, look at me, look at me. So the man looks at him and um, it says, verse five, so he turned to them expecting to get something from them. But Peter said this, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then taking him by the hand again, just right. That's what Jesus does. He he reaches in and he and he touches And so like offering dignity to people that are going through something or experiencing something with a lot of, that carry a lot of shame, make sure you look at people and make sure you're willing to enter that space. So they touch him and, um, they, and by taking him by the right hand, he raises him up and at once his feet and ankles become strong. So he jumped up and started to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had just happened to him. I mean, that is some kind of story that started off our week this week. What do you have? What do you think about that? I, it just blows my mind, like actually thinking about what that man experienced, because in the mundane of our days, you just never know how God is going to show up.
1: Well, I think about the people, too, that had seen him just a few minutes ago laying there. Probably had seen him a lot of times. Yeah. Outside, begging. And then, to me, like, the double takes that he probably got when he was jumping and and all of a sudden was magic, not magically, but, like, for them probably in their minds, like, wow, how did that happen? So I just can't imagine, like, the the thoughts of the people that just minutes ago saw this man who couldn't walk you know begging for food begging for anything um now is praising god jumping and and just the i wonder what the the atmosphere the was in, in the in the in the in this area of of all these people you know in the buzz in the crowd of oh my gosh what just happened so i i don't know it's just crazy like and then even peter and john like what they must have felt to be able to do that for him through jesus but to be able to experience his um new joy
2: yeah i was gonna say like experience his new joy and just the joy of of just serving in the way jesus did you know and Mm -hmm. and i I just think even for us today like i i I'm quite certain I'm never going to experience that, you know, and, um, but what I do know is is the the opportunities that God has given me throughout my life to serve and to in order to glorify the Lord, all those opportunities are are just beautiful, you know? and and um i I love it. I love serving the Lord, and I love the opportunity to serve the Lord in such a way that you give God the glory and so, just
1: to get a chance to be part of somebody's story.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we get into verse 11. It says, while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people utterly astonished ran towards them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. While Peter saw this, he addressed the people. And so this is why I wanted to read all this. So there is going to be some consistencies in just Peter's boldness. And this is what the gospel is. And so he starts here this week in our reading, he starts here and he said, but you're going to hear this. Throughout the remainder of the New Testament, just the consistency of the gospel story, and it says, "Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our, by our own power or godliness?" Verse thirteen: "The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our ancestors, has glorified His servant Jesus, whom you handed over, and who and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him." You denied the holy and righteous one and asked him and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised back up from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And so what he's saying is, is remember, like you guys are the ones that killed Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. And so that's just part of the gospel like non-negotiables is that jesus christ um was murdered (laughs) right jesus christ died for the sins of all of us in exchange like there's an exchange right we know that and so but that's the gospel and they repeat the gospel over and over and over again the sinless son of god willingly died on the cross um for our sins and god raised him from the dead and but then peter wants to be sure that they know that um how you put him there yeah right and so it's kind of interesting he says it a lot especially this week in our reading
1: but he seems like that he's a little bit ornery like that that he wants to make sure that they feel that the weight of that
2: yeah and actually we should feel the weight of that mm-hmm. as well and so um so i i think in in chapter four peter and john get arrested um we knew this was coming. Yeah. <laughs> So while they were speaking uh, to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed and a number of men came to the Lord. There were about 5000 of them, scripture says. Just a few. Yeah. isn't that crazy. So the, I mean, if
1: you think about how many 5,000 is it's a lot, mm -hmm. like we think about an arena full of 5,000 people or like gatherings of 5,000, like they kind of throw that around like it's a couple hundred. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people.
2: Yeah, it is a lot of people. It's a whole lot of people. And it just happens over and over and over again, as the Holy Spirit is acting through the apostles and the church is on the move. The church is starting to grow and develop and it's beautiful. Um, and so anyway, Peter and John faced the Jewish leaders in chapter four. And I mean, I'm just fired up about going through this whole thing. This is so good. I loved our reading this week. It says the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, and a bunch of the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people and elders, if we are being examined today about the good deed done to the disabled man, by what means was he healed? Let it be known of all of you and to all the people in Israel and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. So again, there's two times, right? He said it (laughs) earlier and he's saying it again. You crucified him and God raised him from the dead. By him, this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. And that's an Old Testament reference that these folks would have known. Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people in which we must be saved. And so here he goes. He's teaching the gospel consistently in boldness, in dangerous spaces. And so I think that that's important, especially when we think about the life of Peter. So Peter, mm-hmm. yeah, a couple of weeks ago, right Einstein. when when all this stuff was going on, the same group of men actually were the men that were in charge of crucifying Jesus. And then Peter now has the boldness to say, "You guys did this." But back then, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it would have been longer than a couple of weeks ago, it had to have been.
1: So that's just the Holy Spirit coming into. It. The
2: Holy Spirit is yeah. the act of the Holy Spirit is empowering mm-hmm. Peter almost yeah with courage and boldness hmm. but it's incredible right and that should be encouraging for us and so the night that jesus was crucified what peter denied him three times mm-hmm. and because so, he was afraid well, to a little girl around a fire and he made eye contact with jesus well jesus was in the room with these people mm-hmm. right and so out of fear he was unable to say this is my guy but now he's standing in a group of very powerful people knowing what's him. yeah the knowing yeah right? and he saw what happened to yeah. jesus and so the Holy spirit is so powerful in our lives and, and, and to be able to submit to the leadership of the Holy spirit and to be bold and glorify God in all that we do. Um, it's wonderful. And you talk about who he was and who, where he is now in this narrative is remarkable, really. Mm-hmm. And so, um, man, powerful guys, powerful men, he sits there and he's with Jewish leadership and he's like, you killed him, but God raised him. And so in in boldness, he says this. And then verse 13, it talks about when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's incredible. That's an incredible line in, in scripture. In verse 14, it says, and since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition after they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin they conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these men for an obvious sign has been done through them clear to everyone living in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. But so, um, but basically they're like, Hey, here's the deal. They can't keep talking about this kind of stuff. This isn't good for us. In verse 19, Peter and John answered them and says, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And I think again, like, so they have this boldness, the Holy Spirit is indwelled in these men. The Holy Spirit is acting through these men. And they're like, we can't, we can't help ourselves. And we're unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. And I think the same can be true for us. Like when, when we see, um, when we've encountered the living God there, there becomes this thing in our lives where you're just like, you just can't help it you know, and and we've lived long enough now that we've seen God do remarkable things in the lives of our friends, um, and you just can't help it, you want to just talk about Jesus, you love to talk about the things that you love, you know, and so what do you think?
1: Yeah, I just, uh, it's just interesting, like you said, about how the courage they have, and what the difference between, you know, not too long ago, to now, to where they're, they know that this is not going to end up well for them and that people are not going to handle this well. And so they're going to be jailed and then they're going to be, you know, ultimately put to death, but it's just, it's just amazing. Like the Holy spirit and, and the impact that it's had on these men's boldness and courage and just the the impact that the Holy spirit can have on us.
2: Absolutely. And so we get into uh verse 23, And it's just this prayer for boldness. Again, just the word boldness keeps coming up in our reading this week. And it says, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Don't you imagine that the adrenaline that these guys, I mean, these guys were riding high. I'm certain of it. They were like, what? And then he said this, and then I said this, and (laughs) this is amazing. I feel the presence of the Lord. Like I feel Jesus. I feel so close to Jesus. And this dude was, it was laying there. You know who he is. He, we looked at him, we told him he's healed in the name of Jesus, and he stood up, and uh, you know what I mean? Like, they've got a story to tell, so they're coming home, and they're telling this story and to their own people, and they reported everything that had happened. Um, when they heard this, they raised their voice together to God and said, Master, you are the one that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why the Gentiles rage and the people plot futile things, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against the Messiah. And so they're just like the story that the that the men came home to tell their people, encourage their faith. And I think that that is something that happens now in, in our lives. And so when we see God do miraculous things, and we feel the presence of God and we have boldness in situations that maybe... A month ago or two months ago we may have lacked boldness but we feel the holy spirit we feel deeper conviction about really uh being with jesus um and being more confident in our relationship to jesus you know and and who jesus is in our life and i think when we when we tell our buddies about it it really can encourage their faith would you agree
1: yeah and i just i just am encouraged by this that you know, we can, we can have this kind, I mean, obviously we don't have healing powers that they had, but this can be, we can have impact on people around us as well.
2: Absolutely. Um, and then it says, so here they are, they're praying for boldness and verse 29, it says, so they're, they're together, they're assembled together and, um, and they're fired up. And so they go and they pray the Lord. And I think that's a good rhythm for all of our, all of our lives in verse 29 it says and now lord consider their threats and grant your servants and this is what's cool like really pay attention to this now lord consider their threats and so they're like you said earlier they're acknowledging like this is hostile territory like you said last week G- the name jesus christ is polarizing and it's going to continue to get more polarizing things are getting a little little heated here right and so they they know that and they're like lord consider their threats and grant your grant your servants i'm sorry and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness so the first the first, their hearts were clear clearly um i don't need protection from their threats i don't need you to find me a really good hiding space i don't need you to remove me from danger what i need you to do is i need you to give me strength that i will speak with boldness what well, and then verse 30 While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders that are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, when they had prayed, um, the place that they were assembled, was was shaken and they were filled with the Holy spirit. And they began to speak the word boldly. And so to me, that prayer blows my mind. And it is so not the way I pray when I'm pressed, you know, like when I'm pressed, I, I get a little fearful and I'm like, I'll take this from me like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel this way. Like, um, but, but these guys, when I read this, there, there became a, and that's fine too, by the way. I mean, Jesus did pray that in the garden of Gethsemane, but I'm just saying there's, there's a couple situations that are not appropriate for me to share on a podcast that I'm just like, Hey, remove this person from my life. It would be a whole lot easier. You know what I mean? Like, instead of, instead of having to be bold, like it would just be better if uh, if this person found, um, a new job or something, right. It's so, and they didn't have to work in this town any longer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying like, sometimes we can be a little cowardly instead of having the courage to have bold conversations. And so, and I think that these guys, it's pretty incredible to me that it's not remove this from me. Don't remove this adversity, adversity for me, but I want you to give me boldness so I can speak truth. And, I, I want to glorify you. Let let them um, let them know that who you are by these these signs and wonders. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think it's um, again as we talk about like when we talk about at least I'm not good with confrontation, so it's like praying take the confrontation away. Yeah, job transfer or how to. <laughs> boldly, yeah, engage in the confrontation <laughs> totally, so, which I, I mean, like you said, I mean, I think that they you can pray both. I mean, sometimes God can or will, but sometimes you need the confidence to hit it face on and with the courage that only he can provide.
2: That's right. That's right. And this is really neat. All things in common here, um, we're just we're just starting to see the development of the church. Again, I've said that earlier. But we see in verse 32, now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and now, now, and no one claimed to have any possessions of his own, but instead held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. But there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned land or houses sold them, Brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid them at the apostles' feet, and and then um, this was then distributed to each person in need. And so it's this beautiful thing that they didn't withhold anything; like they didn't hold back, they didn't keep back. Everything they gave was to the Lord, and and they were so unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ that the mission was so incredibly important to them, and they believed in it with they believed in it wholeheartedly. And so that was a unified brotherhood a unified sisterhood, they knew they needed one another, and so they were all in, they withheld nothing, and so that's a beautiful picture, and I don't need to say it, everybody knows this, but that this isn't the picture of the church that very often, like I know that there are churches that are probably um, really beautiful, and they're still applying these truths, but man.
1: Yeah, I think it's more of a picture of what, know, or you know, the new earth will look like as far as everybody sort of sharing and not having any need. And if you have excess, you give it instead of collect it. And I just think that that's such a vision of optimal church and optimal, um, life. I just think that that's, that's something that we can look forward to.
2: That's right. That's good. That's good. So then we get into a weird por- a weird portion of scripture that, um, you're kind of like, okay, things are moving wrong. And you're like, fired up, we've got boldness, we've got unity, we've got awesomeness. And then, uh oh, we get into Ananias and Sapphira. They're gone. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I read it. And I'm like, you know, moving right along. And then am like, what? And so it does take a little while to really, and again, like, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this passage of scripture. But there, there are some, some key things that I'm curious, I would love to see what your thoughts are. But so we have, uh, earlier in, in the text, it's talking about how they, um, have all of these things. They were a one heart and one mind and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Um, and it's just this beautiful picture of unity. And then we get, uh, ch- starting in chapter five, but, and so that's a transition word, obviously, but a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so it's just so running opposite of what this unified picture was a couple verses. And so we have this picture of unity a couple verses ahead and then everyone held everything in common and nobody held back. And then we've got Ananias and Sapphira who kept back and, and they both agreed to keep back, you know, and then it says in verse three, Ananias, Peter, Peter asks, why has Satan filled your heart, to lie to the Holy spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it, wasn't it at your disposal? Why did you plan these things in your heart? You have not lied to the people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead with a great and great fear came on all who heard. Then the young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, um, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? And she said, yes, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead. When the young man came in, they found her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who had heard these things. Uh, obviously, like again, I can't explain this text perfectly, but what I do know is that there's definite uh, a a differing of of mission. You know, we've got this group of people before that didn't help hold anything back, and they were all about one heart, one mind, one body, moving forward with this mission to 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 glorify God and speak about the resurrected Christ, and then we've got these two people that withheld from the group, and and lied to the Holy Spirit, and they and they just gave part of their portion. And so I don't know, and and maybe it was a situation where they were too, they were more concerned about the approval of man versus the approval of God that they that they wanted man to think that they gave him gave it all but yet God knew that they were withholding. I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. I have not spent adequate time studying it, but what I can learn from it and what I, what I felt like the Lord taught me this week as I was reading this is just don't withhold the Lord, like go all in, like all in. And, and when you can't be honest about it with, with God and, and with your people and don't say like, yeah, I'm, giving him everything. If I'm withholding, you know, if you're withholding, tell him I'm withholding because I'm afraid or I'm withholding because I usually that's what it is. I'm afraid that I can't provide or that God's not going to provide. So I just, that would be my encouragement in these verses is I, I can't explain why they die. I mean, there's lots of examples in scripture of people being disobedient and God was faithful and steadfast in their life. And in this particular case, it wasn't. I don't know all the answers, but what I know and how I can use this information for a transition or a transformation point in my life is don't withhold from the Holy Spirit. But when you're but when you when you do, like or not not with the Holy Spirit, don't withhold from your community. But if you if you do or you feel scared, then share it with your community. Like be honest and have some integrity and some sincerity. In the community of believers and so i don't know i mean what did you think
1: well it's almost like i wonder if if they had just sort of been like they sold their land and just kept the money it's and then but then they brought it like that they were giving everything but they weren't
2: that's what it was yeah
1: but you know what i mean like my my question is, is what if they had just said we want to keep this money and never laid it at the feet of the apostles like they were sharing with everybody
2: yeah i think that that would have been fine
1: yeah but you know they I mean? they came in and said oh we're, we're in but they weren't all in yeah and so i don't know i just think it's interesting like when when he talks about lukewarm christians or people that are aren't all in and they leave they want to hold on to like Yeah, their little portions of their little idols or their little their little life that keeps them not sold out not all in not fully devoted trying to live a life in in god's plan and and putting god first and so i don't i mean it seems a little harsh that they just drop dead and they're gone um just like the pillar of salt when she turns and looks back like I I don't know why they're the two, you know, that, that seem to just fall dead, but I think just summarizing what it symbolizes of not being all in is really, I think something that I can learn from.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. Fascinating. In fact, I, I need to put a little star by it and say, when I have time, really dig into this deal, but you're right. I agree with you. Totally. Everything you said, I I agree with you 100%. And so we see that, that again, later in the reading, we see that they're in and out of prison. Um, and we see that they go on trial again. And I think that, again, this is something that Peter has repeated a lot this week. It says, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to the right hand as ruler and savior 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 um to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sin we are witnesses of these things and so is the holy spirit whom god has given to those who obey him and again like they repeat it in boldness repeat it in boldness over again to the guys that they know killed jesus they 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 say hey you did this um we are witnesses to this um god raised him God raised him from the dead and he is at the right hand as ruler and savior of the world. And so it's, it's incredible when we talk about the theme of boldness this week and for them to be able to go into and back into a place. You talk about trauma of such trauma, um, and have boldness to do so. I think is pretty incredible.
1: And I think we talk about verse 41 when it talks about the apostles, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name uh-huh. and like how far they've come from hiding to celebrating, you know, the, 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 that they had been suffering, they were rejoicing that they got to suffer, like, and how far that and what what a change that is from you know, Peter and, and, you know, all of them sort of trying to lay low and not be killed.
2: Yeah. That's so good. All right. We get into chapter six here and, um and seven choose to serve. And so the, so, so they're, they're growing and they're starting to establish um some leadership here. And it says the 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables brothers and sisters select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom whom you can appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal, pleased The whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy spirit. And, and so we're, we'll stop right there because Stephen is going to be a big part of the remainder of this conversation. Um, And, and I and I just want you to highlight that Stephen was a man uh, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, and he was chosen, right, to um, do the ministry of the word. And then we get in verse eight. So Stephen's out doing his thing, and he's he's uh, glorifying God and in his word. And deep. Mm-hmm. it says in verse eight. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. In verse nine, opposition arose, however from some of the members of the Freedmen's synagogue composed of both Caesareans and Alexandrians and some were from Sicily and Asia. And they began to argue with Stephen, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people and the elders and scribes. So they came and seized him and took him to the Sanhedrin. They also presented false false witnesses who said this man never stopped speaking against the holy place in the law. For we heard him say that that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down. And all who were sitting with the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And so we have this man uh, chosen to lead, and he's been delegated to lead, um, and he's a man full of grace and power. clearly a lot of wisdom um and he's got himself into oh he didn't that's not right i wouldn't i was about to say he got himself in a little bind but he didn't like he was doing he was faithful to what god had called him to and opposition arose
1: well it's like they got embarrassed Mm -hmm. so they made up lies Mm -hmm. so they basically just set him up so they were embarrassed that he basically talked circles around them or preached the good news like had it the, their arguments didn't stand up because he was he was by the holy spirit was given defense or whatever you want to say and so they by they were embarrassed and so what they do they they came up with a plot of lies and it's just it's just like i don't know it's just that's like uh so hum- humans, humans like mm-hmm. now you know like oh are you embarrassed you know so they came up with this plot to get him killed mm-hmm
2: yeah and so he goes into his sermon and for time we are not going to read his whole entire sermon but i sure encourage you to because you're gonna a lot of it's going to be very familiar if you've been going with us through this journey because he talks about moses and and he clarifies um what he has been accused of and what he's been accused of is saying some wild things about moses some blasphemous words against moses and god so he he shakes it out like let me tell you the story let me tell you the story, you know, and he does. And he starts with Abraham and he goes all the way through. He goes to the patriarchs in Egypt and Moses um, and in Israel's rebellion against God. That obviously Moses was a big part of that story. And, um,
1: and he didn't have the Bible to read
2: from. He didn't have the Bible to read from. He went through it. He went through it. He didn't I take the class at ETS no, that was... teaches the story of scripture. He knew it, yeah. but he did have the Torah. So they did have the first five books. But it was probably, it was uh, verbal. Yeah. So he studied it. He knew. But he, he knew where Jesus fit in. Do you know what I mean? And that's what's so beautiful about all this, He knew that the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he tells the story with such boldness and beauty. And I highly recommend you read it, especially since we've gone through several books of the Old Testament. But yes, no, he certainly didn't have the Bible like this. Right. And so anyway, so in in boldness, again, that's the theme of this week. uh, Stephen boldly preaches to the Sanhedrin and says, let me tell you what I actually think about God and what I actually think about Moses. And let me tell you the truth. And so he goes through and he he gives a very compelling argument um, for um, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through the history of the word of God. And so we get into verse fifty one, and this is where things get go south for Stephen, or however you want to word it, or I don't know. Uh, actually yeah, north. Like, things go north for Stephen if that is what true. I mean. Like, it... Yeah. So Stephen, I guess, just get since we're talking about boldness this week, I guess Stephen just as he's preaching, he's comes more deeply convicted that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and I am honored to be able to represent him in my life. And so he goes on, verse 51, he says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you always are always resisting the Holy Spirit, as your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did you and your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels, and yet you do not keep it. And so... That was it. And when you read those words, I mean, those are, that is a man that is not afraid.
1: I think he knows what's coming.
2: But, I mean, I, I think maybe, but I think for me, like, yeah, you're probably right. He Maybe like when you think about last words, like, I yeah. guess this is what he was confi- this like, confident. Like, this is what
1: I'm going to say. And I know what the result's probably going to be.
2: Yeah. But I mean, it was all that I have. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and maybe there's one and we are going to learn that today there's one one life that might be impacted by my boldness because i know this is true and i'm willing to die on the behalf of truth and so he says these things and here it is in verse 54 when they heard these things they were enraged and gnashing their teeth at him stephen full of the holy spirit gazed into heaven he saw the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand. They yelled at him at the top of their voices, covered their ears and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And they witnessed and and, I'm sorry. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. When they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he fell asleep. And so when I, there's two things I want to say, and then I would love to hear your opinion or or what you have to say. But I think that um, there's there's a couple things here. So for me, it's like Stephen full, the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and like God gave him an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. Do you know? That's what I was gonna and say. it's like Moses going like, I don't know. I, I just think that God gave him this beautiful gift. Like, buddy, you're almost here like I I, I like when he opened the heavens for Jesus right and he looked down and he said oh that's my son I love him you know and I
1: think at that point it's almost like he didn't even feel the pain
2: yeah like his eyes
1: were gazed what he was seeing what was it was like God gave him like a pain protection Yeah, because
2: even as the author of acts like who's argued probably Luke after saying this he fell asleep yeah it didn't say that he died it was like there was there there's this is sort of like this this tension between um pain and peace Mm -hmm. and like so deeply convicted that this is what's true that i am i am willing to die for it and it also is reminiscent of jesus i mean that's exactly jesus said like lord forgive them they don't know what they're doing you know but then you get this like you get this one line that kind of And and again, we're going to close with this, but this one line where you're like, kind of takes your breath away. So you're reading along and it says, um, they yelled at him at the top of their voice, covered their ears together and rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And you're like, "Uh, what? And so, and then as we continue through our journey here, we're going to know that that man is Paul. Who in this particular book, like the beginning is all about Peter and his leadership and the end is all about the mission journey of Paul. But don't think for one second that there wasn't purpose in the pain of Stephen and that Paul and how educated and how like the elite Jewish man that he was, wasn't sitting there listening to this whole sermon of Stephen's and watching and learning and paying attention. And then he watched how he died and, in and, and I just know that I know that I know that this moment replayed in Paul's life over and over and over again, because I'm studying Galatians right now for my for my school and you read the book of Galatians and it just like, it just like oh, the determination that Paul has to share the message of Jesus Christ is incredible. And I have to believe it was shaped by this moment right here. And we get in verse eight, and it says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. All right. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned him deeply. Saul, however, was ravaging the church, and he would enter house after house and drag off men and women and put them in prison. And so <laughs> crazy how scripture intertwines stories. but. You know,
1: Stephen seems like a cool guy.
2: One that I can't wait to meet in heaven. Mm-hmm. But it's in it cool when you read scripture and you think about the life of the faithful men and women that we've been able to like honor to meet in our lifetime, like the consistency of their love for the Lord. And even when pressed and like in and when stressed, they're still able to faithfully love the Lord. You know, I think of Hannah's mom, Terry Price, and Bobby Price, and I think about just what an honor it is to be able to know them. And I'm not don't know them well; they're not my besties. But what I do know about them is that that they have clung on to Jesus in good times and clung on to Jesus in hard times. And man, that encourages my faith. You know, and and I think that there's a boldness that they carry, that um, they're going to rely on the Holy Spirit in. In um the good times for celebrating and the times that make your heart grieve, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. We're lucky. We've been blessed to be around a lot of really amazing Stevens, <laughs> you know?, yeah. including my dad, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen Smith, who I adore. <laughs> so anyway, love that guy. So all right, this was fun. Yeah. See you next week. Go go through Acts and maybe a little bit of Deuteronomy, if it's not all about laws. Hopefully know? I
1: have my voice back. Yeah,
2: I hope and maybe I maybe I'll mm-hmm. have your cool raspy voice. Who maybe,
1: knows maybe, maybe would have loved it.
2: Yeah, loved it. All right. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to Table Forty with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the sports spectrum podcast network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith. Visit SportsSpectrum.com.